I want you to picture in your mind the most awful person that you know. If, if they're sitting next to you, don't look at them. That'd be bad. But the most awful person that you know, for me, uh, when I was in sixth grade, there was a, a, a kid named Jocko, J-O-C-C-O. And there's a tip. If you name your kid Jocko, he will be a bully because Jocko was a, a, a bully. He ha- had like thick, black, slicked back hair, um, wore a leather jacket. He was like from the movie Grease. But he, Jocko just punked me all the time. This was what, like, before we knew bullying was like a bad thing, apparently, because I got bullied like crazy. So think about the worst person that, that you know, whoever your, your Jocko is. And now I want you to imagine that you are given a billion dollars, and you have to go to that person, and you have to give them that billion dollars, and not only bless them, but then that person that you bless with a billion dollars is then going to bless others, and other people are going to love them because of the blessing that they are. Now, if you got tasked with that, you'd say, no way, there's no way I'm doing that. You'd figure out some other way around it. I'll Venmo them the money, right? I'll mail it to them. So I'll send somebody else there to, to go take it. There's no way that I'm going to go do that. There's no way I'm going to take that incredible gift to the person that I despise the most. Fundamentally, that is the story of Jonah. There's a gift that is given to Jonah, the word of the Lord, by God that he has to give to the worst people on the planet at that time. They, they are vile, they are despicable, they are bloodthirsty people, they are wicked people, and he has to go and give them this treasured gift of God. And Jonah, understandably, does not want to do this. So Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So Jonah's a prophet, which means he's he's a mouthpiece of the Lord. God speaks to Jonah, Jonah speaks to, to people. He lived in the 8th century, about 800 years before Christ. He's the son of Amittai, the prophet. He's a native of Gath Hefer, which is a little Galilean village, a little north of Nazareth. And he's sent to Nineveh. Nineveh is the capital city of the Assyrians. And the Assyrians are awful, awful people. And Nineveh is an awful place. Everyone in the world knew this. The Assyrians knew this. In 722 BC, when the Assyrians took over the 10 tribes of Israel, they would put rings in the noses of the Israelites and they would drag them behind their chariots. They would skin people alive. Like they would light um, adolescents on fire publicly. They were, they were known for these gruesome public displays of torture. They would make families carry the decapitated heads of loved ones around the city on sticks. They'd cut off their heads, put them on sticks, and make the families carry them around. When, when they would conquer people, they would completely wipe them out, and then they would salt the ground or the earth so that nothing could, could grow there. And Jonah, at one point in his life, he actually gives a prophecy about the Assyrians being overthrown, which brings Jonah a certain amount of fame, reputation, a little bit of fortune. So he's kind of enjoying this life, this reputation that he has. The other thing to know about Jonah is that he's intensely patriotic and nationalistic, and you're going to see how that affects his ministry later on uh, in this book. And so you've got Jonah, this guy who at one time prophesied about the Israelites being delivered from the Assyrians, now has to go to them 
with the word of the Lord. And so Jonah has a choice. He can obey God. He can go out the front door and go where God has called him to go. Or he can go in the complete opposite direction. I want to show you what Jonah ends up doing. We got a map so you can see kind of visually what's going on here in Jonah's day. So this is the part of the world that Jonah is, is in. And the scripture says that he goes to Joppa, um, which is right there. And he gets on a boat. Um, and and what, what he's supposed to do is he's supposed to go to Nineveh. So there's Nineveh. So he can go from Joppa to Nineveh. That's what, that's what God tells him to do. That's where he's supposed to do. But instead, Jonah does this. He goes... <laughs> All the way to Tarshish. Now, some of you are bad at directions, but nobody is this bad, right? Um, and, and here's the thing. Uh, like, Tarshish is amazing. It's a, it's a seaport city, beautiful weather, beautiful people, sophisticated. Nineveh is about 220 miles um, north of Baghdad, Iraq, near modern-day Mosul. And, and, and so Jonah has this choice. I'm going to go to, like, Del Mar, California, or I'm going to go to Mosul, Iraq. And so he chooses... Tarshish. And it's not a place that you would just go like for a weekend. You know, it's not like I'm going to Payson, you know, to go camping for a weekend. It's, it's a place where you go and you stay. I mean, you, you can see you, you cover the whole length of the Mediterranean Sea. That's the Mediterranean Sea for some of you. You didn't know that. That's what that is. Uh, he traveled the whole length there um, and, and to get out of the way of where God says to go. God says, rise, go to Nineveh. Come be a part of what I'm doing in the world. And Jonah says, I'll see you in Tarshish. <laughs> uh, what's displayed here are two fixed realities in life. You might not be a Bible person, you not, may, not, might not be a Christian, but, but, the, but these are realities of life. The first is that there is a tendency in us to resist the leadership of God. There's a tendency in us to run from God. And the Bible calls this sin. We are made in God's image, we're made to walk with him, be part of what he's doing, but there's a tendency in us to run. We, we try to pursue life by running away from the source of life. That's sin. The second reality is there's a tendency in God to chase us, to interrupt our self-destruction. And the Bible calls that grace. And these two realities are the theme of the scriptures, they're the theme of your life and my life, they're the theme of Jonah Sin and grace, running and chasing, God calls, Jonah runs, God pursues, and we'll see later Jonah surrender. Now, there's three types of people here that I think are represented in this story. The first person, you're, you're called by God to serve God in a particular place where God has you, and you are faithfully making God known by loving people, and you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing with your life. There's a people in the room, that's where you are. Jonah's going to be kind of boring for you. But then there's other people in the room where, where you don't know God the same way that Jonah knows God. And then there are other people that are, are called by God to serve and to love God and to love people, to make God known at the particular place that God has put you, but you're running in the opposite direction. And that's what Jonah does. He gets up and he flees. He's not confused. It's not like he put the wrong address in Google Maps. He's running from God. He believes that there's a God. He believes that God has purposes, but Jonah wants to run his own life. Now, here's the thing, and we're going to see this all throughout Jonah. We do the same thing. We do the exact same thing. And we, and we have since the beginning. Genesis 1, God creates the world. He takes chaos and puts it into order, creates man and woman, puts them in a garden called delight and says, cultivate, cultivate this garden. Enjoy each other. Enjoy me. 
And he says, I just have one thing, one thing. Just do not eat of the tree that's in the middle of that garden. And that's the one thing that humanity can't stand, for somebody to tell them that they can't do something. God, you want to be Lord over me, but I want to be Lord over me. I'm going to do whatever I want. You get to Genesis chapter 3 and 4 and 5, and violence, the degradation of women. You basically see our newspaper there. So we all do this. We all do this. And it, it, what's important for you and the self-knowledge that's important for you is for you to ask yourself, well, how do I do this? If we all run, we all, we all run from God, how, how do I? If everybody ha- tends to do this, how do I do it? Through materialism, through coveting, through bitterness, through complaining, through comparison to others, through selfishness or greed, through dishonesty, through gossip. What is the way that you run? Because everybody runs and there's always, always a boat to Tarshish. There's always an opportunity to run. So what does God do here in this story? What would you do? If, if someone that you loved was hurting themselves, if someone that you loved was moving towards destruction, what would you do? I, I took my kids camping uh, th- this weekend, and, and it was remarkable. I was, I was constantly trying to tell them, like, hey, stay away from that. That will hurt you. That's fire. Don't, don't go near that. That's a snake. That'll get you. That's a cactus. Stay away from that, right? I, I have three kids. All three of my kids all got their hair caught in the zipper of the tent. It was remarkable. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was like this has got to be like a, a record. My son actually got his hair caught in a bush. Like, literally, my wife had to rescue him out of a, out of a bush. But because I love them, when I see them heading towards something that's like destructive or going to hurt them, I, 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 I pursue them. And I try to pull them away from that. So God does the thing. He doesn't just give up on Jonah and be like, fine, Jonah, you're a loser. You're done. No, he goes after him. Hebrews 12, the Lord says, he's the ones that I love, I discipline. I don't discipline my neighbor's kids. I don't know them. I discipline my kids because I love them. And so God comes after Jonah, and this is how he does it. Look at verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Sometimes, to get you to see the problem, God will introduce pain. There There are consequences to our running from God. He won't do it to hurt you. He'll do it to help you. We have this amazing building in the center of our campus, the Commons. If you haven't been there, you need to go check it out. Coffee shop, community space, prayer space. That's us attached to it, bookstore. Um, and what's so awesome about this building, I think, is that the, the, there are these large windows that kind of serve as the walls. And then on one side of the building, there are these big garage doors that can go up and down. And when the weather's nice, a lot of times we'll have those doors open. So it's this really great indoor-outdoor space. Well, when those doors are open, a lot of times birds will fly into the Commons and they'll get it's stuck kind of in this corner where these two large windows meet because birds don't understand how windows work. Um, and so they kind of get stuck in this corner. And if I'm in there, uh, you know, I'll say, okay, well, I'm going to go try to get that bird out. You know, I'll try to kind of shoo him out the door. And so where you go, you go over and you just say, okay, bird, you're stuck. So let's just move over here to the right a little bit and kind of go out that giant, you know, 10 foot opening right next to where you're, <laughs> right next to where you're flopping around. And so what's the bird do? He's like, oh, thank you so much, kind sir. I I was just really confused by this. And he just kind of goes out. No, they don't get it. So I get closer to the bird and they like turn their weird bird eye at me and they freak out even more. And so I'm like, okay. So I got to scoot down and kind of try to grab the bird. And then the bird finally just calms down and I lightly like carry him out, you know, and 
No, no, the, then the bird freaks out even more, right? And so then I got to like, ho I'm holding this bird and he's like trying to bite me and poop on me and just like freaking out. And so like, I'm trying to explain this bird, like this is for your good, but I have to constrict its movement and then, and then I can carry it outside and let it go. And hopefully the bird goes and tells all his bird friends about the kindness of humans <laughs> and we continue to get along well. You see, sometimes God in his mercy will send a storm not to hurt you, but to help you. God says, you're going in a way that's moving towards destruction. And because I love you, I'm going to rock your boat. And, and there are different kinds of storms. I don't know what kind of storm God is going to send you. Sometimes the storm is that you don't get what you want. Sometimes we pursue things like money or success or a relationship or approval because we think, if I have those things, I'll be satisfied. Have you ever thought that? If I could just get or if I could just do or if I just lived with them or if I just had. And so we pursue with all of our energy, all of our time, and we grind and we grind. And everything kind of goes towards that. And we rage because we don't have that. And the storm that God is sending you is, I'm not going to give you that thing. Sometimes, sometimes, and I think this is actually a, a more scary storm, is that God lets you have all of what it is that you think you, you want that will satisfy you. There's um, this article in, in 1999, Rolling Stone did an did a interview with Brad Pitt. And Brad had just gotten done filming um, this movie, Fight Club. And Fight Club is about a man who had the American dream but continued to remain um, un, un, unsatisfied. And, and listen, listen what Brad Pitt says. He says, I know all these things are supposed to seem important to us. The car, the condo, our version of success. But if that's the case, why is the general feeling out there reflecting more isolation and desperation and loneliness. If you ask me, I say, toss all this, we gotta find something else. Because all I know is that at this point in time, we are heading for a dead end, a numbing of the soul, a complete atrophy of the spiritual being, and I don't want that. And the interviewer says, so if we're heading towards this kind of existential dead end in society, what do you think should happen? And Brad says, Hey man, I don't have those answers yet. The emphasis now is on success and personal gain and I'm sitting in it and I'm telling you that's not it. I'm the guy who's got everything, I know. But I'm telling you, once you've got everything, then you're just left with yourself. I've said it before and I'll say it again. It doesn't help you sleep any better and you don't wake up any better because of it. Jim Carrey, who's an actor and comedian, he said something very similar. He's famously quoted as saying, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. All sin has a storm that's attached to it. God will send you a storm and he sends it because he cares about you. So look at verse five. The sailors react to the storm. All the sailors were afraid and cried out, to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. The sailors start to freak out, and they do what humans always do. They try to apply human solutions to issues that they have with God. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And then the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? 
get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so we will not perish. Okay. So what do you do when you realize that everybody runs and so have I? You stop running. You get up right there, right now, right here, and you look at God. No matter what bottom of the ship that you are in, today, now, in this moment, you can rise and face God and be honest with him. Look what Jonah does in verse 7. And then the sailors said to each other, come let us cast lots. So this is kind of like a drawing straws type of, type of thing. Come let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Verse 9, he answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Admit who you are. It's very interesting, and you're going to see how this plays out later in Jonah's story, but he identifies first ethnically and second religiously because his ethnicity is more important to him than in terms of his identity. But he says, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew. And, and the Hebrews were the rescued ones. When they were in bondage, God came in and set them free. And he says, I worship the Lord. I, I, I fear God. And so again, what we're learning from Jonah is wherever you are, if, if you're saying, I I'm headed in a direction that I shouldn't be. Pick your head up and acknowledge who you are. And for, for some of you, you can say like, Jonah, I'm, I'm a child of God. I just haven't been living like this. Some of you, you're already in Tarshish. You've been sitting, you're like the mayor of Tarshish. And you're like, I just, I'm in a place where I shouldn't be. And I've been here for way too long. Some of you in the room, you'd say, well, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a follower of Jesus. But you can admit, okay, well, somebody created me, somebody made me, and maybe, maybe they're trying to tell me something about life. You can at least admit that and start there. And Jonah gets honest like we should. Look at verse 10. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? Because they knew that he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. The soldiers were like, wait, you're doing what? You're running from the God who made the sea. In a boat, on the sea. What are you doing? Like, Jonah, do you think God lost you? You think Jonah's, or God's up in heaven? He's like, man, Jonah really should have checked in by now. He's not at Nineveh. Anybody know where he's at? You think God doesn't know what you're doing? You think God doesn't know where you're at? You think just because the lights are off, God can't see? You think because you've cleared your history or you've covered your tracks because you've hid it from everybody else, God doesn't know? He sees you, and here's the thing. He's not surprised. He's not, he's not shocked. He's not threatened. And you, like Jonah, you have the opportunity to admit who you are, confess what you've, what you've done. You're not admitting your sin and you're running away to inform God of what you've been doing. You're admitting your sin to release you. You're admitting to and confessing to find freedom. Look at verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked Jonah, well, what should we do to, to, to you to make the sea calm down for us? And Jonah said, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. 
I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now, this is not saying, this is not the message of Jonah, and this is not what it's saying, like everything bad in your life is is on you. Your parents' divorce, not your fault. Any abuse or harm that you've suffered by the hands of other people, not on you. What Jonah is saying is, look, I'm admitting this. I've run from God. This storm is because of me. Verse 13, instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows for him. Sometimes we don't want to admit that we're running from God. Sometimes we don't want to admit that we're a mess because we think everybody else around us thinks we have it together. But here, here's the thing. Everybody around you, they know you don't have it together. They know you are a mess. And if the people of God will confess their sin and admit their mess, the pagans around just might start praying and worshiping God. When the followers of God get honest that they're a mess, when, when they acknowledge that they, they need the forgiveness of God, it invites those who do not yet know God to receive the forgiveness of God. Jonah says, my God is the God of the sea. I surrender. Just throw me to him. I, I, I have not been acting like there's a God. I have not been acting like God has called me to act. You don't know how it has to end up. You don't know how it all goes back together. But to take the first step, you just have to be ready to admit, I'm going the wrong way. There's a God who made me, and I'm, and I'm his. Verse 17, and we're just about done. Verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Uh, the fish is, is not a punishment. It's a rescue. And, and it doesn't happen in a natural way, like Jonah gets thrown over and there's a piece of driftwood flying by or, 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 or there's another ship that just happens to come by and pick him up. It happens in a supernatural way. And, and, it, and it happens in a supernatural way so that you'll know that it's God. And, and now I know you can, this is the part of the story where you're like, okay, this is where, where it gets really weird. Now, and Jonah is not a book about marine biology, it's a book about Jesus. And, and, and so we don't have to debate that, but, but, but God appointed this fish so Jonah would know that it's him. The fish is the means of grace to lead him home. This is another way that Jonah's story is a lot like our story because grace is wildly intrusive and disruptive. And it doesn't show up the way that we think it should. It doesn't always show up in a neat package. Sometimes God's grace has to show up in the middle of a storm and pluck you out of the boat that you're in, headed to Tarshish, and send you to the bottom of the sea to the belly of a great fish and spit you out. That that could be why you're you're here, because you're headed in a a certain direction, and God wants you, and he's disrupting you by his mercy and through his grace, and you're at a crossroads in life, and God is standing there at the gap. Jesus is in the gap saying, I am better. I am better. It's interesting. Some people, they believe that Jonah was a nickname because Jonah means dove. 
And, it, and it's not a compliment because a dove is like a silly little bird. It gets caught by a window. And the Hebrew people on the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, the people of God, they would gather together on the, the Day of Atonement. And they would all read collectively together the book of Jonah. And at the end of it, they would all say together as one, we are Jonah. And what they were saying is, we all run from God. And thank God that he chases us and pursues us. I mean, that's my story. That's all of our stories. Jesus told the story of Jonah several times. He loved this story. You know why? Because he would say, I'm like Jonah. Now, did Jesus sin? Did he run from God? No. But he said, I will be thrown into the storm of God's judgment for you. I will be buried for three days for you, and then I will rise, and I will set you free. Jesus said, I'll be Jonah for you. You confess your sin to me. You confess your wandering to me, your rebellion to me, and I am Jonah. I will get thrown into the raging sea of your life, and I will make it calm. I will bring you peace, and I will set you back on dry ground. I will give you a purpose and a future. I will be the one who puts you back on the path that God made for you. I will be the one who absorbs your chaos and makes you calm. That's who Jesus is. A fish is a very unlikely means of rescue. But so is a cross and a grave. But that's what Jesus has done for us to bring us life. I am Jonah. You are Jonah. And praise God that Jesus is the Jonah who took the depths and the chaos and the storm for us so that we might live free. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the story of Jonah. And God, just as we start in it, and God, as we just begin this kind of journey of, of seeing Jonah, but ultimately, God, seeing you and the way that you love your people. And God, the means that you go to to pursue those who, who wander. God, our affection is just stirred for you. And God, we're, we're humbled by your amazing grace towards us. God, I pray that you would use um, your word in a mighty way in our hearts, in our lives, and in the life of your church. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.